And that's what this episode is called, ladies and gentlemen. It's called Listen, Listen to, to Black, Black Women. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm Karima, a.k.a. The Blurred Girl, and this is The Blurred Girl Podcast. Now, I hope everyone is ready for the holiday weekend. It's time to relax and eat carbs for the first time since you've made those New Year's resolutions and catch up on all those shows that you've missed, and movies, actually. Now, speaking of shows, I hope you finished Luke Cage Season 2, because on this podcast, I will be revealing one of the interviews I had with some of the members of the cast. A few weeks ago, I got a chance to talk to the Missics, Simone Missick, who plays Misty Knight on the show, and her real-life husband, Dorian Missick, who played Batty Dontrell Cockroach Hamilton. It was a fun interview that I'll share with you after I talk about the week in Geek. But first, I gotta pay some bills. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Now, Audible is offering listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership just for listening to the Blur Girl podcast. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash theblurredgirl. That's audibletrial.com slash theblurredgirl and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs that they have to offer. You can download a title for free and just start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash theblurredgirl, T-H-E-B-L-E-R-G-G-U-R-L to get started today. Now, why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And if you're anything like me, you're busy. <laughs> Audible makes it incredibly easy to catch up on books while I'm commuting, cleaning the house, working out, driving, whatever. It just makes multitasking easy. Now, if I were you, I would totally take advantage of the 30-day free trial and download a book or two that you've been meaning to read. Looking for suggestions? Well, I would definitely check out Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older and the follow-up to that book, Shadow House Falls. Both are incredible fantasy books, and they are narrated by actress and singer, Anika Noni Rose and she sounds amazing and she plays all the roles like in the story it's really really good I listened to both of those books on an out-of-state road trip and it made the time just fly by so get started with audible today they've got a really simple app to use so you can literally listen from anywhere download your free audiobook today audibletrial.com slash the blurred girl again that's audibletrial.com slash the blurred girl for your free audiobook now this week in luke cage news <laughs> i hope you guys have had a chance to check out the sci-fi wire youtube channel because not only did i get a chance to talk to the stars uh simone missick who plays misty knight and che hodari coker who's the showrunner i also got a chance to sit down and talk with luke cage season two baddie Mustafa Shakir, who plays Bushmaster, a.k.a. John McIver. Um, I also got a chance to talk to Mike Coulter on the red carpet, Luke Cage himself. So please check out the Sci-Fi Wire YouTube channel, and you can just look for anything that says Luke Cage. It'll probably have something to do with it. And we will, if you stay tuned, you will hear another interview, more in-depth one with Simone Missick and her husband, Dorian, towards the end of this podcast. But first, let's talk tech. Now, this week, apparently, is the start of the robot uprising. Um, I have two stories of robots doing things that humans clearly could be 
be paid to do. First, a San Francisco-based company called Osaro has a new robot that has, basically, it can work food service. In the video I saw, the robot arm simply picks up these chicken nugget-looking things and puts them into a bento box-like lunch tray. The entire process takes about five seconds. But according to Technology Review, the way the Osaro robots work is different. The AI software that controls Osaro's robot lets it identify the objects in front of it, study how they behave when they're poked, pushed, or grasped, and then decide how to handle them. Like other AI algorithms, it learns from experience. So they've used some, basically some camera, some off-the-shelf camera, like a consumer-level camera, and combined it with machine learning software, kind of like Google's AI, on a really powerful computer that's close by, still can't work on Wi-Fi. It figures out how to grasp things effectively using this program. And I guess with all this poking and pushing. So with enough trial and error, the arm can learn how to grasp certain things effectively and basically pick up anything it might come across, including humans. No, I'm just kidding. That last part is totally me coming to my own Terminator 2 conclusion, but I'm really not comfortable with a robot poking, pushing, and grasping me. I think I already go through that as a gynecologist. These bots should be ready for work in Japan sometime next year. So yeah, look, look to Japan for the beginning. Now, here in this country, the, the next creepy robot story is from Disney, actually. They're building humanoid robots to perform stunts, basically human stuntmen. And these robot stuntmen will be performing at theme parks. Now, in the test footage I saw, the robots do look pretty lifelike in form um, from about a thousand feet in the air and do strike perfect superhero poses. But it's how they tuck and roll before they land and how they can perform trapeze-like stunts and flip and stuff in midair that kind of creeped me out. Um, remember in I Am Legend with Will Smith, how the bots would go red and then start running around and flipping and chasing them? That's exactly how these things look to me. And it's creepy as hell. Like, seriously. So when these things start grabbing your kids and running through Disneyland with them, remember... I warned you. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. Hey folks, just jumping in real quick to see if you know about the Blur Girls shop on Tee Public. In there, I have tees, totes, sweatshirts, mugs, even onesies, and some really great sayings and quotes. All the proceeds of the purchases go towards support of this year podcast, as well as operation fees. So please, if you support this podcast, the site, and the Blur Girl channel, please purchase from the store. There's two ways to get there. One is to go to theblurgirl.com slash store on my website, and you can also check us out on Instagram by following the Blur Girl shop. I have an app set up right inside of Instagram so you can shop right from the app itself and it will take you to the store and you can buy whatever you want. So I appreciate the support. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Now let's talk uh, geek news. Now here's some great geek news about a really talented young lady named Taylor Richardson. Now for those of you who don't know Taylor, and I'm not referring to the actress, but the young black girl who is also known as Astronaut Starbright. She's a 14-year-old STEM activist, fundraiser, and future astronaut. I first heard about Taylor in 2016 when she raised over $18,000 to send girls from all over her hometown of Jacksonville, Florida, to see the movie Hidden Figures. The story gained national attention and thousands more uh, dollars came pouring in to support more of these efforts around the country so little black girls could go see 
hidden figures and learn about science. But Taylor raised so much money that she used the leftover money to send another little girl to the same space camp that she went to when she was nine years old. Um, And then she did the same thing again in 2017 and sent hundreds of kids to see A Wrinkle in Time. Taylor has been listed in Teen Vogue's 21 Under 21, Glamour's 17 Young Women Who Created Real Change in 2017, and most recently, she was a keynote speaker at Silicon Republic's Inspire Fest. And while she was there, she was honored by Lottie Dolls. Now, Lottie Dolls are patterned after real-life kids, and they also are big promoters of STEM. So now Taylor now has a doll patterned after her that little girls can buy so that they can grow up to be like Taylor. So congrats, Taylor. This young lady is goals, okay? She's done more in her 14 years than most of us do in all of our lives. And her commitment to girls in STEM is amazing. She consistently reaches out and finds ways to help other young ladies. And I'm so, so incredibly proud of her. So congrats, Taylor. I know we've been talking about Netflix because of Luke Cage, but did y'all see the trailer for the new Forrest Whitaker Cat Graham movie called How It Ends? Basically, Forrest and co-star Theo James are either ex-military or undercover or something. They are clear across the country from Cat Graham's character. Theo is married to her. Forrest is his commanding officer and Cat's father. Awkward. So they're on the East Coast, Cat's in Seattle, and there's some type of cataclysmic event. It looks like a cross between a supernatural event and a, well, a really horrific natural one. Um, And basically it's a race to get back across the country and back across this chaos to get to her. You got to check out that trailer and tell me what you think. I don't know that much about this movie. I think it's a teaser trailer, but I'm interested. I mean, also Forrest Whitaker. Also, I got a chance to see Sorry to Bother You starring Lakeith Stansfield, Tessa Thompson, um, Steve Ewan, and I hope I'm saying that right. Ewan, Ewan, sorry. And Danny Glover. And my God, is it a wild ride. Um, It was directed by rapper, musician, director Boots Riley, who also did the music, obviously. And it's really a cross between Dear White People and being John Malkovich. Like nothing is left to the imagination because the whole thing kind of takes place in a fantasy version of Oakland, California, um, where one man, Keith Stansfield character, is trying to make something of himself by getting a job at a telemarketing company which is really a shadow corporation and a metaphor for something else. And that's all I can really say about the plot without giving anything away. Um, It is well acted and Tessa Thompson's character, she plays his performance artist girlfriend. She really shines, but she shines in basically anything she's in. She could be in the produce aisle and she'd be shining. Um, The surprise of the movie for me was actually Army Hammer, Remember the guy who played Lone Ranger? In this, he plays kind of a psychotic, mega-corporate, political, mad scientist dressed up as a New Age leader. So to me, the entire movie is a metaphor for corporate greed, politics, and what we as individuals have to give up just to live comfortably in society. It really is a trip, and I think it's funny because I don't think if, if 45 wasn't in office, I think we would find this movie incredibly outlandish and maybe too far-fetched, but in the times that we're living in now, it's kind of crazy. Like, it, it, you just need to watch it and totally come back here and comment and tell me what you think. And I finally got caught up uh, with The Expanse. I had to pay for the season on Amazon, but oh my God, so worth it. If you are not up to date, I won't spoil it for you, but 
This season is everything, and I'm so happy that Amazon picked it up because although the season isn't over, I can already tell it's going to be ridiculous. Um, my favorite characters are still Frankie Adams, who plays Roberta Draper, the Martian Marine. I can't believe this is one of her first major acting roles. Shora Agdashlu, who plays Christian Av- Avasarala. Um, I want to be that gorgeous at 67 years old. I really do. And Amos, who is played by actor Wes Chatham, who who is basically one of the funniest, purest, and possibly deadliest characters on the show right now. Also, if you've been on the fence about watching, I suggest you do so as soon as possible. If you've cable, you should be able to watch all the episodes on demand for free. I mean, if you're paying for cable. And if you're a Mass Effect fan, I think you're really going to love this show. So all my gamer Mass Effect fans out there, watch it, come back here, comment, and tell me what you think. Now, hopefully I'll have time over the holiday, now that I've caught up on that, to finish Voltron Legendary Defender, Westworld, and Into the Badlands, because I'm so behind. Um, And speaking of the holiday, if you haven't gotten a chance yet, uh, go see The Incredibles 2. It's so much fun. And I'm also going to go and try to squeeze in Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom at some point. Okay, stay tuned, because after this break, I'll be back with my interview with Simone Missick, who plays Misty Knight on season two of Marvel's Luke Cage on Netflix, and her real-life husband, Dorian Missick, who plays Dontrell Cockroach Hamilton. Stay where you are. Do you run a hosted website on WordPress, or is your site really slow? Have you gotten hacked in the past and you just didn't know what to do? Well, if so, you need SiteGround. Now, I am a SiteGround affiliate. I'm also a customer. In fact, I switched the blurredgirl.com over to them and never looked back. In fact, I've put other people onto them for two reasons, reliability and customer service. You can try it yourself at siteground.com slash go slash the blurred girl. That's siteground.com slash go slash the blurred girl. Now, unlike some other hosting sites that have a really great affiliate program and seem to be really popular, many of them don't have customer service. SiteGround has great customer service. They don't talk to you like an idiot. If you can't find something, they'll help you work through it. They have a really easy control panel. And SiteGround is really the truth. You can start hosting your site today for as low as $3.95 a month. You can run a store, a blog, anything really. And they can even move your whole existing site over for you from another hosting service. And you don't have to worry about a bunch of code and stuff. So if you've been blogging or running a website for a while now, it's time to take your site and its security seriously and move up to SiteGround. Sign up today at SiteGround.com. That's S-I-T-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.com slash The Blurred Girl. Welcome back, everyone. Now, actors Simone and Dorian Missick took time out of their very busy schedules last month and sat down and talked to me about Luke Cage Season 2. Now, Simone, as I've mentioned, revives her role uh, from Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and the Defenders as Misty Knight, but her husband, Dorian Missick, who you might remember from Lucky Number Slevin back in 2006, is new this season as Baddie Dontrell Cockroach Hamilton, one of the crew uh, trying to take over Harlem and fight both Mariah and Luke Cage. Now, at that time, I had seen the entire season ahead of time, of Luke Cage season two. Thank you, Netflix. And the Mystics had not. 
So Simone likes watching the show when it airs with the fans and being surprised. Um, but Dorian actually really wanted to see it, but neither one of them had seen it at this point. So the reactions are very interesting. Um, now, since then, I've had a couple of video uh, interviews with Simone for Sci-Fi. I also got to see them at the premiere, which was so much fun. Check out my Instagram story highlights under the events tab if you want to see what kind of fun that was. Simone was at the after party just literally. She's got bars, y'all. Y'all got to check her out. But the interesting thing about working on a superhero show is that most of the shooting wraps almost a year before the show actually airs. So Simone was actually starring in an off-Broadway play called Paradise Blue, and Dorian was also on a new project shooting, and they basically took the time out to talk to me. So thank you. Um, And actually, when I was at South by Southwest, I found out that the couple even shot and starred in another movie together called Gin, and that premiered at South by Southwest. Um, So yeah, these two have a lot going on. So we were able to meet at a local coffee shop in Brooklyn called Butch and Coco. Shout out to the Butch and Coco crew for letting us record there. So if you hear some folks in the background, that's because we recorded the following interview at a cafe. Enjoy. Okay, so I am sitting here with Mr. and Mrs. Missick. Yay. <laughs> Simone Missick, Dorian Missick. Hello. 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 And they um, are both in Luke Cage season two. And I'm really excited to talk to both of you. Um, now, Simone, you are recurring your role. Yes. As Misty Knight. Yeah. Um, and Dorian, you are new, coming yeah. in as. Don Trail Cockroach Hamilton. Yeah. Had to join the fun this year. <laughs> you, you did. And it's interesting because I was like, I wasn't quite sure who your character was until you said it was the the, the scene where you arrest him and you and, and, and seeing him and you're like, Cockroach, like you wanna be called this? <laughs> <laughs> and okay, this is showing my age. The first cockroach I thought thought was the Cosby show. Oh. And then I was like, Oh wait, no, Luke Cage did did like Go do battle again. with yeah, He's got his own cover too. He's yes, he does. Movie. Comic book cover. So were you excited? Like I am I am now like you're gonna be in the Marvel Wiki. Yeah. You're, you're about to be in there. Your face is about <laughs> yeah. No, because if you if you go and look at um Shades, they've already changed it. Oh really? Because mm-hmm. who was it before? It was just the comic book character. It's just the comic oh, book. So but, now they got Yes. Uh, wow. Theo. They got Theo's face up in there now. That's impressive. Yeah, that's big. So you're about to be in the Marvel I'm Cinematic kids, kids Wiki. Yes. Yes. Yeah, when we have them. When we have those little bikes. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. Oh, that oh. Yeah, that's um, going to be dope. So what was it like, before I break down both of your characters, what was it like working together? Did you have the same call times and things like that? The first day, day one. Yeah. First scene of the second season. And we shared a trailer. We shared a trailer, <laughs> which messes up my process. Because Dorian... did that one day. Though. Dorian likes to listen to music. Like, he's a loud getter, getter redder, yeah, getter ready. Want, you don't want get a trailer it, next ready. to mine. Getting readier. Your, your prep is like a lot of, lot of music. A bus, oh Jay-Z, like it's really crazy. You don't want to have a trailer next to mine if you want to sleep. And you in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Sharing it. And I'm looking at him like, and it helped because, you know, I, we don't like each other. So, so it, yeah, it, we only did it that one day because it, it, it didn't work at all. It didn't work. Um, but it was a great. And y'all are trying to stay married after the show. Exactly. <laughs> no, but it was it was a great way to start out the season, the second season to have, you know, him. He's my best friend, the love of my life. Um, first day, first shot. First day, first shot. And then Lucy, you know, is a friend of his and they've known each other for years since Lucky Number 11. And so to have her direct it, it just felt very like. 
one big family, you know, affair. And then we had so much of our crew back. And now they, some of them already knew Dorian from just various shows in New York, but it was like, yeah. And even the stunt doubles. I know some of the stunt doubles. It's like, y'all just stay, like, it's really funny. If you live in New York and you watch Luke Cage and you've been here for any length of time, you know somebody, you're like, hey, what is in Luke Cage? That's that's actually part of the joke, like, between Luke Cage and Black Panther. It's like, they were in Black Panther. Like, who was it? Right, right, right. (laughs) Like, I was... I was Jabari. You have a certain complexion. Right. You I was Jabari number seven. Like, right, right, exactly. <laughs> I did, I, in fact, just interviewed Cheo, and he said that they had trouble doing some um, reshoots because there were people that were literally stunt doubles, and specifically your stunt double, yeah. actually, Simone, yeah. as mm-hmm. well as yeah. other stunt doubles that had to go back to do Black Panther reshoots, mm-hmm. and they had to wait because yeah. there's only apparently seven black people. Who are stuntmen? Black women, women. especially. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, my stunt double, Janelle Stevens, she is a Dora. And mm-hmm. I know when she got the job, we were like super excited. And then I was, we, because she, she and our friends, she lives like right up the street from here. I was like, are you going to be able to come back and, and do my stunts? She's like, uh, when are you shooting? Because. <laughs> We take second place to Avengers three and four. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm super, super, super proud of her and excited that there are that many women of color working in the stunt department. We have this amazing photo from set with, with Alfrey. Yeah. Well, no, this is second season. Oh. So we have one with Alfrey, myself, uh, Gabrielle Dennis, uh, Antonique, and all of our stunt doubles. Wow. Is Karen in there too? Karen was not in there because this was a this was a different scene. I know. I love my Karen, my little pet pet. She's my favorite favorite person ever. But she wasn't there that That day, day. so she wasn't in that photo. But it was just like all this melanin in this photo. It was amazing. And 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 I'm uh, I was able to go to the. I saw you guys the Black Panther premiere, so I was able to do the press press junket. And I remember people asking Ryan Coogler, like, so what's it like working with all these women? He's like, I worked with the best people I could find. Mm -hmm. And I was like, thank you. Like, it was so. I think it's amazing that not just so many black women are getting these roles, but there's also black men that are supporting Mm -hmm. as well because there's so much of. Negativity that we see out there right now, so I'm really yeah. really positive yep. you know, coming out of this. So let's break down these characters a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you guys, first couple scenes, I'm assuming they're the, the exteriors and, and, and some of some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all really don't like each other. Your character, <laughs> your character Misty, uh, had in the past arrested Cockroach. Yeah, now he's back on the streets. Yeah, and he's bad. <laughs> What'd they say about cockroaches? We yeah, don't they don't die. die. They don't multiply. die. They multiply. They multiply. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, and I was also shocked. Not like I know you personally, but I've always seen you as a gentle person. So I literally had trouble watching some of your scenes because I was like, Good. okay, I don't like him hitting, <laughs> hitting on women and like, like scaring the crap out of people. I don't yeah, like this. I don't like hitting on women, but I like scaring the crap out of people. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it was, it was, it was a good departure when, when um, Cheo brought it up. That he had this idea, I was I was totally on board, you know, because I like to play against type. I mean, that's any what what any actor would like to do, and then you get to have uh to go to work with your wife, which you know some people like to go to work to escape their wives. Yeah. Um, I couldn't do it all season, but we did. We had great fun when we were there. 
Did you? Now, did you do you two do some ad libbing? Oh, doing some of the scenes. Yeah, yes. and, and they were like, "Wait, that wasn't on the okay." Of course, <laughs> I mean that whole first scene in the with, street. Uh, in the street with me, and you know, you see Misty. She's has, why she are has, you here? Yeah, and she <laughs> has you know one arm. Yeah, and he it's just had oh god, he had ad libs for days, and the crew is just dying laughing. <laughs> and so when I'm like slamming him up against the wall, that's real <laughs> Simone Misty frustration. I'm like, shut up. Mm. Um, but no, and it was, turn the music down. Yeah, I <laughs> know. No, literally, this is like the argument that happens in our house as well. Okay. You should know this. Okay, okay so <laughs> now, now I think I know which house is y'all's. Okay, <laughs> turn the music down. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of your arm, um, they do something I think that I've never seen um, in not just a superhero show, but that's done very rarely. Mm-hmm. They actually show this progression of what it is like. You didn't just show up like, okay, yep, I, I, I have a prosthetic now, or yeah. oh yeah, I'm an amputee and I've just figured this out. They yeah. show you your character going through that, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that because I think um, I have members of my family that are amputees. I know people who who are you know disabled, and mm-hmm. it's like glossed over. Yeah. Also. I like the fact that you got to deal with that before you got the prosthetic, but because yeah. I, I think what happens many times in comics is that people's disabilities are, oh, we're gonna fix you. Yep. We're gonna weaponize you. Yeah, yeah. And I like the fact that you had to like take that journey. Now, what did, did how did you prepare for that? Um, research, as I do with anything, you know, um, just reading about what people, usually people who have um, served in the military mm-hmm. or um, in the police department, what their lives have been like post amputation. But yeah. I watched a lot of documentaries, especially on like the Boston Marathon um, runners. And, and you know, there's this one woman's story that just really stuck with me. But what is it like to lose a limb in a profession where you don't necessarily think about that happening? Like you expect yourself to get shot you expect yourself to lose your life every day. You you prepare yourself for that possibility, but to be uh, disabled in that kind of way and in that in that way, the way that she lost her arm. You know, she didn't get shot. We saw that in season one, the misdirect of oh, is this when Missy's going to lose mm-hmm, her arm? Mm-hmm. She could rationalize getting shot, but to have somebody slice off your arm is just. Uh, it's something that she she was never prepared for. And so for me, I had to really go into what is that like, you know? And then what is that like as a woman to feel like you've lost your power? Um, because as a woman and as a, a police officer, you have to project confidence and power. And so I think that not being able to uh, serve on the police force anymore was just like heartbreaking for her. and. But there was no way in her mind that rationally she could go back and be who she was before with with this appendage gone. And so it was a a good journey. I personally would have loved to go through more of the season without it mentally. Mm -hmm. But the actual execution of not having an arm on set on day to day was physically taxing. <laughs> yes. And so I said, y'all better put something up hand, in here. Hand you better, going to sleep all this. You better figure something out. It was, it was, it was, that's a whole other podcast for yeah. how they tried to 
Jerry rig Misty no, not having an arm. Well, did they? Did you have a green sleeve for a minute, or was it all? Because I know when you had the thing, the sweater tied up, and they did a very good job of of matting out like any bump of an arm. Good. That, but <laughs> but um, when you had the prosthetic, that was your arm in a. You, th- that they, was my arm in a. They built it. And they built my arm around it. Um, so you're a winter soldier. Like they did. A, a they sleeve. did. They, they did. They did your a arm sleeve up and, and, they, and they slid it in. And you know, and even that was like this journey because the the first day we did the camera test, and there were 60 people standing around, and they were we were on the stage, and they're just like, here it is, here's the arm, and they're doing the camera test. They want. They're like so excited, and they're like, all right, now grab the coffee cup, and I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I can't see. You're like, like, all right, her whole elbow is moving right now. Like all right, now, now, now grab the gun. <laughs> you think I can grab anything? Like, it, it, so yeah. the the arm had to go through, I think maybe seven or eight generations, yeah, before it actually became functional, right? Um, and so, yeah, that it's, was it's a lot. It's, with... it's it's interesting, you know. It, well, you pulled it off. Because we can't, we can't tell that there's a struggle and there's the, the cleanup and everything that they did. You cannot tell. Thank you. And the the scene that you did with the fight without it, which was the iconic daughters of the dragon scene hey. um, with Colleen. Speak it. Yes, is mm. you can't tell at all, and it looks amazing. Oh, and that yeah. moment where you go to throw a punch and you're like, I don't have an arm. <laughs> the look on your face was classic, like right. But it's sort of like, but that's Shit. what like people go through. Who my cousin. As an amputee, and he said, I go through you in the beginning, you do, you just forget. You and forget then, you don't have phantom it. pain, you uh-huh. have all the things. There's no mm-hmm. until you hit his was his legs. So you yeah. fall over, you yeah. don't get you don't it just You're like, register. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. There's nothing there. Right, right. And then mild trauma. Okay, back to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it that but all of that played and then Colleen just sitting there looking at you like, You're gonna figure this out today. Yeah. You're gonna learn today. Yeah. <laughs> and that Y'all, we need a show. You guys, Daughters of the Dragon, need a show. Listen, if you, I always say it, if you tweet it. (laughs) It will come. It will come. (laughs) You know, I think that the reason why they've done as much as they've done so far is because the fans keep asking for it. So if everybody keeps pestering them about a solo show, I think it might happen. But the journey, um, the ensemble this season um, is incredible. It really feels like an ensemble. I actually told, also told Cheo that it feels like a cross between um, The Wire and New York Undercover. Because uh, every episode, they end up in the club and somebody's singing. Uh, and, every, uh, <laughs> and he teased a little of that last season, but he uh-huh. went for it this, this season. season. Really good musicians and yeah. really, but um, it, it moves and everybody takes a journey. Like your character really goes through this thing and then by the time... Uh, Karen Pittman comes back, mm-hmm. Pr- Priscilla comes back, yeah. you've sort of mastered that. Not necessarily you're over it, it mm-hmm. th- it's still an issue in your life, yeah. but you, you could see your character take a journey. It's so rare that black female characters get to take a journey. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, But incredible, incredible, incredible work. And the things that your character actually mentally goes mm-hmm. through also, not just with the prosthetic, but with also being a cop and what am I willing to do? And mm-hmm. I feel like Missy had a lot of decisions to make. Yeah, you know, and I love that it got to be driven through, you know, this guy, mm-hmm. through through Cockroach, um, just what she was willing, how far she was willing to go. 
to exact justice. You know, you have this man who clearly should be in jail uh, and he is beating the dog shit out of his wife and his child. And, you know, Dorian can speak to what, what that was like, but just for, for Misty, she has, you know, in, in season one, we hinted at why she became a cop. You know, her cousin was raped and murdered and nobody cared. And that was her, you know, that trauma of seeing no one care about black women was something that she was like, she will never allow. Mm -hmm. Not in, on her watch. In, on her watch, right? So then you have Cockroach who comes back and he is the embodiment of that. Not only is he selling guns on the streets and running an illegal gambling spot, but he has a woman that he is just taking to town whenever he's he feels trying to like be it. down with Mariah, who is also the antithesis of, of everything. Of everything that, that Misty, I, that Misty just yeah. believes is, is wrong with Harlem. And so, you know, it's how do we, how do we get these people out of here? What do we have mm -hmm. to do? And, yeah, she has to make a decision. Is she going to, you know, go the route of scarf and bend justice a little bit to get to get the greater good, or is she going to toe the line? And and the the time jumps were done actually really well. I was never confused. It mm. was it was done really because I was like scarf. Okay, clearly we gone back in time with scarf. Yeah, but then his child and what happened to him or whatever. Yeah. Um, that was done really well. So now Dorian, what's it like being with all the women hating you on the, <laughs> on the show? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I've kind of that's not new territory for me. How did you? How did you? How did you? Um, were you excited when you were like, "I'm gonna be in a Marvel"? You know? Yeah, I was because it was funny. You know how it came about because uh, you know Cheo and I had talked about me doing last season. Okay. And I uh, couldn't work it out schedule wise this didn't work out and um so then this time around when he came back to talk to me about it i was very interested in it there was some pushback because um they I didn't think, want to waste dorian yeah, the people at marvel wanted me to stick around <laughs> they were like we need him to yeah. play a much more long-standing character yeah. dorian's like man this black excellence train i was like Might nah man i ain't missing this train yeah i was like what y'all want to do you want to stick you know because sometimes when you know with these characters they put you on and they might keep you all season well, honestly, but they don't I let was you play that we would see you just at least go to jail or something i wasn't ready yeah. <laughs> nobody was ready. i wasn't ready sometimes that's the best way you know you get well, in no, you get out he's killing people so i'm like yeah. <laughs> and you know it's a, it's a kind of universe where you know I mean Bushmaster he does some things you know maybe I can come exactly. back who knows you well know? also yeah and, and there's no, they, there's also they're also uh, big on um, memory scenes and flashbacks mm, right. things like that so yeah. there's no reason why yeah, yeah. you will not still be working I didn't write it off but, completely but I was just like I want to get in get out you know sometimes it's the best way to do it show up make a splash disappear now yeah. how did you decide to approach it though because you could have just been one dimensional baddie, but they gave you a mm -hmm. wife and a kid and yeah, no, like right. all these. And then, and then playing the victim after uh -huh. Luke beats the tar off of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, yeah that's how all chumps get down, though, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Though, you know what I'm saying? That's, what, that's like typical bully mentality. It's like you're tough until you meet somebody tougher. So, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of played along with who he was. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? He's. He's a bully. He's he uses these big guns to kind of like get his way, and and um he beats women. He's like nothing about him really. He doesn't have any really endearing qualities 
mm-hmm. none that I, you know, I mean, you have to find something to play the characters in, but no endearing character qualities, really. I mean, we know in the comic book, they talk about the reason why he got his nickname is because he used to play with roaches and stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, you got to imagine a kid like that. He didn't have a lot of friends. So that was like my only in to mm-hmm. like trying to humanize him. But yeah, find some humanity. Yeah, humanity. yeah. But beyond that, it was just like, you know, you, you have to live with what he does, you know, and there are guys out there who live with those consequences. When you were thinking of how to play the character, were you thinking, okay, would you think of what you would do and then do the opposite? Nah, nah, nah. I mean, yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, yeah, in terms of like hitting women, yeah, of course. But uh, <laughs> other than that, no, I mean, you know, if a dude who's as tough as uh, Luke Cage is looking to come fight me, I'm, I'm not going to fight him with my hands. I'm going to shoot him. Exactly. So, which nah, is, we pretty much was on the same page on that is, one. Which, yeah. which is canon, no pun intended. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I we mean, pretty when much you on the same page. Gun, I was like, yep, that is exactly what Cop was. That's how it's going to go down. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we agree in some things. He's like, you ain't going to break my skull. Yeah. I'm going to get, you know. And then his pitch to Mariah, I agreed with uh, to, you know, to a certain degree. I didn't agree with it, but I understood that perspective. You yeah. know, I, 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 I'm of Caribbean descent. So, I understand how the you know my family's from the Bahamas. I understand how there was a period of my life where African American kids looked at us like we were not quite as American, yes, absolutely, <laughs> as them. You know, and so uh, especially like it would be weird to me because I'm like, yo, I grew up with you, I live around you, I'm, yeah, I do all the same things. The only reason why I even know that I have a West Indian, my family's from the West Indies, is because you hear my dad talk in my house. Right. Otherwise, you wouldn't have no idea. So why is my experience any different than yours? Mm-hmm. But it was like that slight adjustment. I understood the uh, the mentality. So it was good to kind of play it from the other side. They did a lot this season um, with that. I, I call um, Bushmaster the killmonger of Luke Cage this season. <laughs> yeah. Because, and my mother is from Bermuda. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like, I get that. And I had both those things in my house. Mm-hmm. Um sort of like, oh, you don't understand from the American side of my dad. Like, you don't understand what we've been through. And my mother was like, okay, I do. Well, can you let it go for 10 minutes? Like, right. everything can't be, you crashing the car is not the way, man. This is you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need you. <laughs> At least acknowledge that, that much. You did this. Okay. So, so there is, um, but it was masterful what uh, Mustafa did with that character. Mm-hmm. And I heard you knew him or know him. Yes, my brother. We came up together. We were uh, in the same theater company when we were 18 years old. Uh, that's kind of like when I first decided I was, I felt like a professional actor. Mm-hmm. We were getting a paycheck every week. And me and Mo, we, we went through, the, we grew up together in that way, like in terms of like artists, mm-hmm. you know, like we were both discovering this is what we wanted to do. Yeah. And then um, this company really gave us a voice. Um, and then we just kind of climbed the ranks together. We had the same agent when we were young and all this stuff. It so you introduced so, him to his manager, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Introduced him to his manager. So none, right. of, none, of, none of the success you were surprised by? No, I was kind of was a little bit frustrated for a minute because there was a time when I was like, why is no one recognizing Moo for what he's capable of doing? Because it, Bushmaster's a great role for him because he gets to do all of these, like, dude does backflips and Capoeira and, and yeah, all of this stuff. The only thing that Bushmaster doesn't do that he does is he didn't rap. That's true. <laughs> and that's okay. And he also didn't have a tail, which I appreciate. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I thank Cheo for that. I'm like, thank you for picking John and not his brother, yeah. who's actually that had triple amputee, and they put him back together and gave him a tail yeah. and made him look. Because like, that's how I'm they not do even, us. Yeah, right. Because animals. He's from the islands. Yes, right. exactly. Right. That's how they do us. Look, mm-hmm. that's why I said 
look, what they did, but I'm happy. What they did with Bushmaster is exactly what they did with M'Baku. I was very nervous about M'Baku. I was <laughs> very nervous about Man Ape. Be mm-hmm. even Tanahasi Coates killed him off because he was like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he didn't know what to even. He, he didn't want to like, touch it. No, yeah, he I remember die. talking he about that. He said in an interview, he was yeah. like, nope, you need to die because you're Man Ape. Right. <laughs> right. But what what Winston Duke was able to do with that is what I feel. Like he just turned around and made it yeah. his, his own. Yeah. I cannot see anybody else Playing. as Bush Bushmaster. Yeah. I yeah. can't. And he did an amazing job. Everything. When I saw other interviews and discussions with him, even his facial expressions, everything. He acted with like every single molecule, mm-hmm. right. you know. And he yeah. looks like a completely different person. Yeah. Um, but that story of that the maroon story, the. Um, almost like the Tuskegee experiment, the mm-hmm. way they were giving them shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never thought I would have two comic book, a movie and a show yeah. that like mm-hmm. explored the black experience. Like, I, mean, I was yeah. not, I, and I'm happy. Yeah. I always tell this story. And y'all are part of this. How excited is that? When I came to visit Simone the first day, my first time visiting her on set, like on first season, I was, uh, you know, and I was doing a black show. I was on a series on BET, the Black Entertainment <laughs> Network. You so were, it can't you get sure no were. blacker than that. You Even sure the crap were. service people were black on that show. <laughs> and I come to visit, you know, I was like my couple of days off. I was in Atlanta because everything black shoots in Atlanta. So then um, I got on the plane. On one of Tyler Perry's secret studios. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they, they put me on the Chitlin plane, train, and uh, I came to New York. And uh, <laughs> You're so wrong. They blew you on Delta. Yeah, Don't make that up that about BET. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm sitting on set. And it was uh, a scene with the young boys buying season one season when the one. gun the gun deal went wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and episode one. Yeah, and I knew you know they were on to something, but you still kind of think, well, they're gonna get watered down. They're not gonna be able to do certain things. So I'm sitting on set, and Che was like, "Hey man, you know, put the headphones on so you can hear what's going on." And I'm looking at the monitor, and this kid comes out, and the kid starts talking, and they're. He sounds like every New York kid you know. Yep. And the conversation was just raw. I took the headphones off, I looked at the chair, I was like, yo, they gonna let you, they gonna let y'all do this? This is how you're gonna do the show? Oh my God. I want in. Like you're gonna do a superhero show. This in our New York. Yeah. Not the Friends New York. Exactly. Our right. New York. Not the Gotham New York, the New York but New York. The New York that we know. Right. Not the Hell's Kitchen without any black exactly. people in it. You don't have no purse <laughs> snatches <laughs> with the with the Kangos right. on backwards exactly. and the muscle exactly. shirts. You know how they do it. The gold chain. Right. I was like, yo, wait a minute. Wait one minute. This is how this is going down. And then it just kept getting more and more like insider information. And so this season, I feel like he was able to dig in. The writers, he and the other writing team were able to dig in a little bit more. And really kind of talk about insider stuff inside mm-hmm. our community. There's a conversation that we need to have. He absolutely you know? did. And he also, the other thing that he showed a lot of was the community. I feel like there was a lot more exteriors this season. And he does a, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of secondary characters and also little things that happen. And mm-hmm. he did a lot of, um, he did this thing where basically Bushmaster was calling on the gypsy cabs mm-hmm. to basically be his yep eyes his, and ears. his eyes and ears and i'm so like new york. that's so new york yeah Man. everybody yeah. looks at uber like it's this new concept i'm like right. we've been like, getting in other people's cars for years cut it out yeah <laughs> man I mean, get in there with the van where they got the rope exactly. and they just shoot pull the rope and slam the van door 
<laughs> you want a New York experience? Go to Jamaica Queens. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So or Crown Heights. Exactly. Yeah, right, so they're they're getting better because the New York that the, I'm telling the New York that Jo provided us with, like even Spider Man Homecoming, which I'm a big fan of, he got out of the train in Queens. It was like, yes, that's what that subway says, but that is not where you are. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You are on a soundstage exactly. in Hollywood, or you're back in Atlanta because that right. is not where that puts you. <laughs> <laughs> that is not where that stop puts you ever, um, unless the stop is a wormhole. That is not where that. <laughs> <laughs> but what does it feel like um, being a part of this? And I like thinking, okay, I mean, I want a season three. I'm just going to put it out there. This is going to be season three. There's not going to be season three for you, Dorian. No, Sorry. Okay. Maybe cool. some flashbacks. Maybe a flashback. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> Misty, remember when you were going to plant that evidence? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, like, like I said, we're going to try and put it out there to get our Daughters of the Dragon. Right. But like, even with Defenders, I want to see the next Defenders have you in it more and yeah. have more things happening. And yeah. I know you can't tell me because Marvel has snipers, mm. but can you say that at least you would like that to happen? Oh, Defenders? I would, I would, I, I definitely would love to see a season three. I know we're, we're probably going to get a season three of Luke Cage. I would love to see Daughters of the Dragon. Defenders, that was. That was interesting. You know, Defenders to me is the equivalent of the Avengers. And so it's all about the villain. Yeah. And as an actor, that's not fun to play. Right. So unless I'm in there having fight scenes, kicking ass, I could sit at home. You know what I mean? Which is essentially what Misty did. Yeah. She pretty <laughs> much made sure that sat Claire at home yeah. and then she conferred with Claire. Claire, you, you cool. Don't die. All right. We're going to help y'all get on out of here. Oh, shit. I lost my arm. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of fun mm -hmm. for, for Misty to have in the Defenders. It was a wonderful vehicle to get me, you know, to the next level, which I appreciate. Now, what about a Heroes for Hire? If they did, mm. like, I want the Heroes for Hire movie mm. or a special if we can't get a series out now of it. that. Because that Misty be... ran Heroes for Hire for Hello? a Because she runs everything. <laughs> right, because yeah. listen to black women. Exactly. That's what this episode is called, ladies and gentlemen. It's called Listen, listen to, to Black, black Women. women. <laughs> I'm all ears. <laughs> yeah. Now, is it, is it weird? Because basically, you know, we're seeing this now. This just shows dropped relatively recently mm -hmm. but you haven't been with these characters in like over a year well is it, I just is it strange did, uh season two of iron fist okay so i just wrapped you just wrapped iron fist april at the end of april yeah. okay no at the beginning of may yeah so i'm, just gonna say I'm yeah. still so you're closer to it maybe yeah, than, still than waiting. oh yeah i don't remember anything <laughs> I really don't. Uh, I'm listening to you. you is did getting good. me charged. You, you did good. I'm you like, did good. Wow. I was scared. You did good. Oh, yeah. oh, I, was I was scared. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm scared I wasn't going to be good. Okay. No. Oh, wow. Your character was Oh, I got you. So I made you scared. Okay, good. Okay, great. Great. Cool. Cool. He goes back and check. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I shrunk for a minute. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, but it is, it, it, you know, Misty in Harlem with you know, characters like Cockroach, who she grew up seeing take advantage of the community or growing or being in Harlem and seeing Mariah doing what she's doing and seeing the Bushmaster and Piranha Jones and like all of these people uh, trying to jockey for power, right? Mm -hmm. That is much more home than say what Misty 
experiences on Iron Fist. Yeah. Where you're in Chinatown. It's a whole new set of characters. Yeah. Uh, it is her and Colleen. It is a fun time with those two characters. Okay, now I'm excited. Because um, I, was, I was, look, I'm going to be honest. I was worried about Iron Fist. But Cheo did things with Finn this season that I liked. Yeah. And yeah. I think he kept him in a range that was good for him. Yeah. I said this to Cheo's face. I said, I didn't want to throw something at the television after two minutes. So you did a really good job. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I'm excited know, to see season two because I think two he's is, growing. Absolutely. You know, Finn is a great person. Um, and he, much like Cheo with season one of Luke Cage, took a lot of negative criticism and used it. And so Finn went into season two determined to not have the same reception as mm -hmm. season one. It wasn't like he was just like, ah, oh, whatever, I'm getting a check. He was, you would see him on set saying, I can't say this. This sounds like this. This seems like mansplaining. This seems like oh, Asian-splaining. Wow. wow. You know, and, and I think that it comes from an earnest place. You know, he, nobody wants to be on a show that people don't receive well. Um, but that show is super popular with like a younger demographic. Yes, yes it is. Um, and so their season two run by Raven Metzner. Raven so passionate about the show. Um, he really cared and he was very honest in knowing like, you know Misty more than I do. So there would be things that I would read and I'm like, ah, I'm not saying that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not Misty. And he understood it, you know, as did the writers. They were like, yeah, no, yeah, totally, got it, get it. Because they understand that if you've been living with a character for three shows or four seasons of, of shows total, you probably know what they're going to say more than they know what they're going to say. And is, that, so, is that difficult when you you have one character, and I know other everybody who works at some point in the Marvel Universe must go through this. You have a character and you in, intimately know them well. That's the, that's the work that you've built. But you've got like four or five different directors, even through a season. Like 13. Cage, 13, yeah. Um, is, it, is it strange sometimes trying to rectify that? Or have you, throughout both Luke Cage and Iron Fist, been able to say that? I'm not going to say that. Or I don't feel like she would do this. Or... You know, uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist, yes. Defenders. Not, so, Not much. so much. Interesting. And it's because it's a monster of a thing. Yeah. You know, we had two There's writers. 357 people in this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you got all these multiple storylines and we had a very small writing team and they had to, yeah, they had to quickly. defend yeah. their storyline. And so every fight was not, most fights were not won. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that happens in those big kind of mega projects like Avengers. You know, I'm sure that there are things that happen on those sets where the actors are like, I wouldn't do this. It's like, but we're selling the story. Exactly. So just go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, it, the fight, I always will fight for, for my character and fight for Misty. And there's a moment that I'm, I'm really interested in seeing in the last episode because we had a director of season two of Luke. And the director was like, yeah, I think that this moment is gonna happen. And I said, do you know what this woman has gone through for these past 13 episodes? That's not the moment that that is right now. It's not that moment. And I remember talking to Cheo about it. 
And he was like, oh man, we're gonna, I'm gonna make sure that that makes it in the edit. Who knows? I do not know. And the fact that your face says that, it probably didn't <laughs> because you have no clue what I'm talking about. But it, I might. I have an, I have know, an idea, but we're not going to share it with the podcast people. I'm waiting till this mic is on. We're going to wait till yeah. <laughs> We're going to But the, um, now outside of Marvel a little bit, what are, what are characters the two of you would love to play at some point? I can answer for him. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, right? Uh-oh. Richard Pryor. Pryor. <laughs> really? Huge Richard Pryor fan. Huge. Oh, wow. Very easy. He's a little Richard Pryor in everything I do. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to lose some, you'll have to do some, like, th- that, that, I'm just thinking of the physicality of the character. Yeah, that's the like, fun. That's like yeah. training to not eating anything. To- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's the fun of it. Well, wow. Dorian used to be a skinny guy. He used to be. A, no, but I it's, still it's, visualize myself. He think, but you're not a big guy. I'm just thinking <laughs> of. I'm just thinking of characters that take a lot of physical. Oh yeah. You know, toll because of if especially on biopics when you have somebody who suffers from illness. Yeah. Right. So that's wow. Okay, yeah. Richard Pryor. We're gonna put that out there. Don't yeah. go play Richard Pryor. Pryor. This is happening. <laughs> and how about you? Characters that I would like to. I, there's a part of me that does not like to say it because I don't want anybody to steal it. <laughs> oh, okay. So no, can't, not can't to you, but it. I will say that a character that people keep saying that mm-hmm. I should play is Coretta Scott King. And her story is fascinating. And it's one that's very unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a musician. She played the piano. She was extremely intelligent. And she ended up being married to one of the most influential people in the history of the world and what does that look like what kind of woman is that to you know be side by side with someone like that i think that that's interesting um but i i really just want to i want to laugh in my next project (laughs) i want to laugh a lot i want to have a a girls okay so girls trip two <laughs> right Next to bridesmaids too. Yeah, I think Girls Trip. They they did that. They did that. They did that. that <laughs> nobody cast, else can do that. Nobody can touch that. But <laughs> bridesmaids too. Well, I would come up in there and put on a pink dress and live my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I would pay. Movie. And I would pay money to see that. <laughs> Help me. Lots, I'm poor. <laughs> Lots of money. <laughs> Somebody told me a friend of mine was working on uh, a show. And now my brain, this is sleep deprivation. Um, (laughs) The lead of Bridesmaids, her name is Kristen Wiig. Wiig. Thank you. So they were working on a show with Kristen Wiig. And somehow they got to talking about Luke Cage. And Kristen Wiig was like, that girl, that woman who plays the detective, she's amazing. I love her. And my friend sends me this text message. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I think it was, that was um, Kristen Wiig. But that was Karen, wasn't it? Karen no. Pittman? Oh, that was Karen Pittman. No. Oh, okay. Nope. Not Karen Pittman. Sorry. It's okay. Karen Pittman. Karen Pittman is working on everything. No, but the fact that uh, she is. Oh. Um, but yeah, I love and me some Kristen Wiig. And one day y'all have Wiig. to hear Karen sing if you haven't heard it. Oh my God. I hear Karen sing every day on set. Oh, she sings on the set. That's every, awesome. Every <laughs> take. <laughs> Oh, just no, working with to, that woman. She used to sing across I know. campus. She, used to sing class. she like, and just, she had a, a recording, yeah. you know, career. That's right. That's right. That's right. Such a I phenomenal remember singing, person. The first time I met her, she was singing opera, and when, I'm like, 
who is this thing? And that's a black woman. Okay. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. She's amazing. We know about yes. her R&B background. Yes. She is amazing. Yes. And so all of this fabulous black excellence. Um, isn't this incredible, though? Like, I'm thinking, like, five, ten years ago when it's like, okay, can I not play a drug dealer or mm-hmm. a prostitute? Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. now it's like, okay, which superhero can I pick? Right, right, right. <laughs> How's that feel? It's, I just feel like we're in just, like, a dawn of excellence, just in art in general. Just, and I think it's because there's so many different outlets. You don't have to just depend on the typical, you know, the network television mm-hmm. thing or the movie model. There's so many places for people to kind of go directly the audiences can, you know, the, mu- the the stuff can go directly to the audience that yes. wants to see it. Absolutely. And so that opens us up in the way we can tell our stories and um, it gives us more outlets. So, I mean, I, I, it, it happens across the board, you know, for, for women, for Asian folks, for, uh, you know, the, the LGBTQ, LGBTQ. And now, you know, and of course, black excellence, you know. So, um, of what you can tell me, because Marvel Snipers... Just in general, even if it's not a Marvel project, what are you doing next? What can we go out there? What can people listening like? Oh, I want to see them again. What can interesting? Oh yeah, we work together uh, again. Dorian and I did a film that won best narrative, screenplay. best screenplay at uh, South by Southwest called Gin, yep. uh, and that film is premiering or it's showing at ABFF in a week. Yeah. Uh, It'll have already shown. And then, oh yeah, it will have already right, shown so, by, by the time that. that this oh, releases. Yeah, but it, it will have a, it it will have a release. It'll be out yeah. by the time this podcast is up. So And yeah. it'll it'll have a release uh, very and then, soon. And then there'll be video and DVD. And y'all gonna pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> and not yeah. bootleg it. Because I'm a co- Co producer, I have yeah. producing yeah, yeah. credit on it, so yeah, don't so take we my have, money. We have because it, it, no, yeah, y'all have to absolutely go out there and buy it because Simone needs to pay, pay for soundproofing in her <laughs> office at home. <laughs> yeah, <she does. laughs> Between the dog and my music, you in trouble. <laughs> Simone, Simone needs a, a woman cave so yes. she can meditate. A she shed. Yeah, <laughs> she shed. thank yes. you. Yeah, we do need to get you one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that about wraps it up it's about four so I just, if there's anything else you guys want to ask I can always edit it in mm. no. talk about no. funny anecdote from set you don't some, remember he just literally has amnesia from this show my last the only thing I remember is my mama coming to visit and, and I spent like 20 minutes talking to KRS one yes I don't remember anything else about shooting that yeah <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, I was just I was blown away that Rakim. I'm like, where did you find Rakim? You went yeah. to Korea and found yeah. him. Yeah. Where did you find Rakim? Because Rakim uh, ain't coming out of nowhere to do nothing. And, and yet, he did a actual song, song for Luke Cage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know how hard that is? The music. Yes. Marley Mar will tell tripping. you he he got a couple of records he still want Rakim to record, <laughs> and he came out and did Look, this. Look, I remember Pete when Rock tried to do an album. I remember when Rakim tried to drop an album and it was bootlegged, and he was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm out. Dr. Dre, same deal. He did it and with Dr. Dre. He showed up in Korea on a Korean rap album that don't ask me how I found this album <laughs> or how I heard this song, but I'm hearing this song and all of a sudden I hear, why am I hearing Rakim? Mm-hmm. And someone was like, that's not Rakim. I'm like, I know Rakim in my sleep. That was Rakim. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to explain to me why I'm hearing Rakim and on an album in South Korea. Yeah. What's yeah. happening? He literally was like, <laughs> yeah. So that, I think. It's one of the other great things about this season. Yeah. Is the music. Meetings. Yeah, the music. And meeting these people. Meeting these musicians. Are crazy. I I saw Esmeralda Spalding. She was on there? Yeah. 
Not I'm maybe. Dead. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think you might have been having a spike. I think you were on your hammers on a spike yeah. at that time. <laughs> but she had a lovely song. Yeah. Um, so so did one of the Marley children, and I'm always getting in trouble for this, but yeah. there's a lot of them. There's a Marley so, kid up in there. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they even how they introduced it, what they did. Um, I love how they set up Nightshade, and I think seeing you play against her mm. next season because i'm putting another season out there <laughs> it's gonna be amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. thank you you both did thank an amazing you. job we're so excited thank and so thank you so and i'm so happy you guys agreed to do this yeah, yeah and that you're my neighbors yeah <laughs> thank you Look for the black guy on the bike yeah i'm telling you're famous now you have to get off the bike yeah yeah you have to get off the bike you're not gonna get off Thank you two so much. Thank you. Now, aren't they amazing? Now, I'm lucky. Not only are they honestly the nicest and most down-to-earth folks that I've met in quite some time, I was introduced to them by Len Webb of the Black Tribbles when he came to town to interview them for one of his podcasts. So thank you so much uh, for the introduction, Len. And it was at that time that I found out that not only are the mystics just like the coolest people to hang out with. They also live in my neighborhood in Bed-Stuy, so it's kind of cool to see, like, Misty in the hood, you know? So check out Luke Cage, too, and keep your eye on theblurgirl.com and the Blur Girl Twitter and Instagram, as usual, so you can see all the other interviews I was able to do for Sci-Fi Wire as well. And for those of you going to San Diego Comic-Con, I will see you there in a couple of weeks. Please hit me up on Twitter and stuff and let me know if I'm going I'm to see you out there. And before I forget... I have another new monthly podcast called Radical Geeks, which I'm doing with Angelique Rocher, where we sit down and we talk about geekdom from the perspective of activism. And we talk to one creator a month. And our first guest was Vita Ayala, and they were amazing. That podcast is now up uh, on SoundCloud. And yes, it will be expanding, but right now it's only on SoundCloud because I'm on so many hours in the day. But we are going to expand from there. So... Thanks for listening. And please don't forget to comment and subscribe and check out my podcast sponsor, Audible, by getting your 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash the blurred girl. Thanks, everybody. 